the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And have I got a treat for you. Do you sort of walk around feeling that you're not quite going where your heart wants to travel? Well, today, my guest is going to help put you back on the right path. First of all, by uh, explaining to you why it is that you're not on the right path to begin with, and um, then telling you some of the some things that you haven't heard before, things that you might not expect, um, that you haven't thought of, that um, that really will open windows into this whole idea for you. Turn on the light. Let the light in and uh, help you to get on the right path because that's really when we know that we're following where our soul and our heart wants to go. My guest is Debbie Ford. She is um, a best-selling author of several books. I'll tell you some of them. And she is a speaker and a coach. And her latest book, which has been called The Tour de Force, is Why Good People Do Bad Things, How to Stop Being Your Own Worst Enemy. Now, certainly you just have to look at the news on the front page to find almost every day uh, examples of people who are getting in their own way, being their worst enemies, sabotaging themselves. Uh, today, for example, we have Hillary Clinton, who I, I must say I think they're kind of making it's a tempest in a teapot. They're trying to find something bad to say about her because of all the really bad stuff that's been coming out about Obama. But anyway, she apparently, after having visited 80 countries, didn't remember that in Bosnia in 1996, it wasn't quite um, as dangerous a situation as she happened to mention um, this week and uh, yesterday, actually, uh, where she said something about having run from sniper fire, and it wasn't apparently quite that dramatic. Uh, Elliot Spitzer, we've talked about him and... Uh, uh, of course, his liaisons with call girls that have surfaced, that's uh, shooting oneself in the foot, if ever there was an example. David Patterson, which is a personal, um, his, I, I sort of uh, a pet peeve of mine these days, because he waited until after he was sworn in to then say that he had had several affairs. And then even after that, more recently, he's talked about um, having used coke and marijuana. And uh, now it has come out that he used state money for a trip to South Carolina with his former mistress. And we also have the Detroit mayor, Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick, who um, is being charged with perjury, obstruction of justice, misconduct in office. And this is all because um, in another trial he denied having uh, a romantic relationship with his former chief of staff, Christine Bide. So um, we just <laughs> we just have people who exemplify this all over the place. But the real issue is it's not just these famous people, people in the news. It is you and I, and we know that. And don't you just hate it when you <laughs> things were going well and you just did something, said something that you just, ah, uh, you cringe. You know that you just blew it. 
and that it's going to have uh, significant repercussions. Sometimes they're little ones and sometimes they're big ones, but they all hurt. So, Debbie, welcome to the show. <laughs> and uh, now it's your turn to step in and tell us all how to avoid these things. You know, I guess the, the first thing is we have to admit that we're doing it ourselves, yes, right? Yes. We're all so busy, and all these people that you mentioned are just such great examples, and it happens a lot for politicians that are so busy looking outside, you know, at what everybody else is doing and what they can fix and clean up and change that they forget to take care of their own process. Yes. And really that's why I wrote Why Good People Do Bad Things and spend the last, you know, 200 pages really talking about the solution to, you know, how do we handle our own dark impulses? How do we even acknowledge them or know that they're there? Because as you and I know, it's easy to look outside and point your finger, but so much harder to get through our own denial mechanism. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, before we get into maybe some of the um, what you've written in the book, I thought maybe you could be, um, we could start out with you giving us an example, a good example, <laughs> of your own life because um, you say that understanding the relationship between one's inner world where there are voices that are providing us with the answers that we need to heal our deepest wounds, and the outer world, understanding that relationship is the thing that altered your life, and this was about 20 years ago, and it set you on the path that your heart wants to travel. Is that right? That is absolutely true. So maybe if you could tell us how you did it, that would start us off in in seeing a good example. Carol, y'all are going to have to keep me here for a week. (laughs) You know, my sister said I get to write about the dark side. They call me the queen of darkness because, you know, I had the biggest dark side in America, which now I know isn't true. I mean, we have all these other people acting out, but I suffered from my own pain, my own addictions. I was addicted to drugs when I was young and uh, sugar and men and, you know, shopping. So I had my whole, I went through it and, You know, really in the simplest terms, what I came to know is that, you know, my shame, my insecurities, my fear, my guilt all drove me unconsciously to act out in inappropriate ways, i.e. self-sabotage. And that it wasn't by getting rid of, you know, I I write about in the book of, you know, the, the beginning of the solution is to peel away the masks that hide our wounds, you know, the masks that we hide behind trying to pretend that we're somebody we're not. And when I started to peel away the layers, like I always thought I was so tough and all these things and found like that I was this, you know, insecure, neurotic little, as I define myself now, a little prey. You know, I was so um, intimidated by people and so shy and so bashful and it was made fun of and teased. So I wrapped myself up in this persona of being a tough cookie, how I would describe it, as a mask, and, you know, went out in the world and started, you know, drugs helped me to feel stronger. And when the drugs weren't working, you know, I would do different things to numb the the pain inside. And so today I know that, you know, when we're acting out, doing any behavior in the outer world, whether we're just sabotaging our diets or not 
setting ourselves up for the future with our finances or we're enabling a child. You know, it can show up in a million ways. You know, these politicians, we see it in extreme ways, cheating on our partners. When we're doing these things, that it is just a reflection of an internal state that needs to get handled. It needs some attention. And I love the examples that are coming out right now. I love everybody acting out on the, you know, on the release of my new book. Yes, I was going to say, this is very convenient. Very convenient. <laughs> this story broke on the release date of my book, which was unbelievable. Uh-huh. But here, he's, I just want to use him for an example for a minute. Here we see him chasing in the outer world prostitution, trying to get rid of that, you know, wanting, hating it out there, when really yeah. what he was trying to do was he was trying to kill off that dark impulse to use a prostitute in his inner world. But he didn't know that, just like we never know it. And I think that's the, that's the solution, is to understand how we're designed and to understand that the outer world is our giant reflector to show us what you know what we have suppressed in our unconscious and you and I know that our unconscious is the driver of our life whether we want to believe it or not that ultimately if we don't admit to it and and really to me it's you know it's so cliche but ultimately it's loving you know that child that one-year-old that two-year-old that seven-year-old the 12-year-old that lied you know the the 14-year-old that did something sexually inappropriate, you know, the, all, the, all the cells inside ourselves, and to give that that is ultimately the solution, the spiritual solution to reconnect us and to end the internal war that, you know, drives us crazy in our minds. People say to me, what war? And I'm like, well, just tune into your inner world. Mm-hmm. Tune into your mind, and you'll find the war. But there is a solution. There is a way to get out of that. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is, well, when you say, um, I mean, yes, we have heard, and you know, it, the cliche to love yourself, but really, uh, nobody really, I mean, I, I'm, I, I mean, I shouldn't say nobody. I presume this is what you talk about. I haven't had a chance yet to read your books, but um, how, that's the, the hard part. How do you love yourself? You know, how do you forgive um, the little child that, that did all these terrible things or that blames or that, you know, certainly magnifies the things that we, we do magnify what we did as children and take way too much, uh, we're way too hard on ourselves for things that we did as children. But how do you make that step? I mean, for example, when you were talking about yourself, what is the, the switch that, that has to go up um, to, to turn off these patterns? Well, for myself in the process that I outline in the book, which I've been teaching, I always say I'm a teacher who writes. And really, I started writing um, out of my own deep, um, you know, my pain of how am I going to... I knew, there was one thing I knew for certain, that God or Spirit or whatever we believe, whoever created me, wouldn't create me, so I have to hate myself Mm. or dislike myself or punish myself. And so somewhere... That thought, after four treatment centers, led me on this journey to really see, well, how does one love themselves? And that's really the 
the process that's in why good people do bad things. Mm. How do I love myself when I'm angry? How do I love myself when I'm feeling greedy or selfish? And to me, the answer that I never got, you know, the solution was learning how to embrace parts of myself, not accept. To me, acceptance was the booby prize because, you know, I had a sister who would always show me, you know, all my dark parts. So I could say that I accepted them, but I still hated myself. Hmm. So when we get back from the break, Carol, I'll yes. talk about the solution to that. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm sure we're all going to stay tuned. And so you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. My guest today is Debbie Ford. She is the author of several books. Her current one is Why Good People Do Bad Things, How to Stop Being Your Own Worst Enemy. When we come back, we'll hear more to help us stay on the path that our heart wants to travel. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. The Kerry Douglas Show, where the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Kerry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Kerry Douglas Show. Join Kerry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Kerry Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas broadcasts each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas, your premier source for faith based entertainment, news, events, and trends. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST for 
p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, helping you today to take the journey your heart wants to travel. By way of my guest, Debbie Ford, the author of Why Good People Do Bad Things, How to Stop Being Your Own Worst Enemy. Before the break, you were, um, telling, you were just about to tell us the solution to, um, to how it is that you can flip the switch and, and change patterns of self-loathing. Well, so, yeah, I I can't remember what I was talking about, Carol, because I can never remember what I'm talking about. See, that's part of my darkness. On the other (laughs) side of it, I always have to trust that something new. But for myself, you know, when I was in the depth of my own pain, I realized something that was really pivotal for me, and really the solution was, oh, I remember, we were talking about finding the gift. And that that's what I outline in the book is that there is a gift. There's no aspect of ourselves that doesn't come bearing gifts. And it is in finding the gift. And as you know, the great Swiss psychologist said, the gold is in the dark. Hmm. The gold is in the dark. And that when we are willing to find the gift of something, like how it could serve us or the world in some way, it dissolves. It stops being that darkness that is beneath the surface that can, you know, act out at any time. And so all the work that I teach and what I outline and I've been doing for years in my seminars is how do we get from that place of, one, first of all, telling the truth about what is hidden beneath the surface or what we don't like about ourselves or can't accept in ourselves, two, being able to own it, get neutralized, neutralize it, and then the third step for me, which was so radically life-altering, was finding the gift of it. How could I love it? How could I befriend it and find compassion for something that I hated about myself? And could you give us an example of this process? Yes. Um, Okay. So I'll take my stupid self. So when I was young, I grew up with a brother who um, read encyclopedias for fun. You can imagine how smart he was. I mean, nowadays, nobody even has encyclopedias, (laughs) right? But back then, encyclopedias, that's what he thought was fun. He was so smart. And I have a very smart sister. I was a baby. So I always felt I have a little bit of probably what they would diagnose today as... um, I don't know, dyslexia, ADD. My father always said I was dyslexic, but I don't really even know what that means. So I always felt like the stupid one. Uh-huh. So for years, I always tried to compensate. I became the friendly one, the warm one, the mm. cool one, the rich one. You know, I did all these things. I got in business. I started making money when I was really young, all to cover up mm. that part of me because I was so ashamed about it, so embarrassed. One day, and... We were talking about this off-air. I went back to school, 
and decided for a time that I was going to become a therapist. And I would read and read and read Freud and Jung and Fritz Perl, and I couldn't get it. I would have to, I would read one page like 25 times, and I thought, there has got to be a way to communicate information where it doesn't take somebody 25 pages. And that actually, so I always say it was my stupid person part of me, that part of me that birthed my career because I didn't understand emotional pain and the way that um, they were teaching it. When I went back to school, I got down on my hands and knees and I prayed every day. And I kept saying, show me, show me, tell me, lead me. And I would get led. I would have these impulses to listen to this tape, to go to this retreat. I started studying world religion, Buddhism, Hinduism, Sufism, um, Jewish, Judaism, and the Kabbalah, and all these different things. I mean, we're talking 25 years Mm -hmm. ago. And um, there was a few things that caught my attention that radically altered my life. And that is the process that I teach today. So I found the gift, okay, the gift was, is because I didn't learn in traditional ways, Mm. I learned in other ways. And that has allowed me to teach literally hundreds of thousands of people a very difficult process to understand, I call it emotional education. You know, it isn't therapy. It's educating oneself about what it is to be a human being. Mm-hmm. How do we work in the simplest terms? And, of course, what do people say to me now, Dr. Carroll? When I go and lecture, people come up to me all day, everywhere I go around the world and say, thank you for making the process so simple. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> so that is what we, this is what we find. And I can tell you a thousand stories of people that hated their, their history. You know, they hated their history, but I know in all of our history, whether we were molested, whether we were talked down to, whether we, you know, had our, uh, some kind of learning disability, that if you're willing to find the gift, and I outline the process and why good people do bad things, if you're willing to look for the gift, you will find that there is a perfection in whatever it is you've struggled with. And I know you know this, though. Uh, Yes, that's really amazing. It's... um... I mean, it's true that, but but we don't really. I mean, people just kind of uh, just see things as bad things. You know, why did this happen to me? And and woe is me. And we don't generally go that far to look for uh, the gift in it. But that that really is a beautiful illustration of it. Um, and yes, you know, there are a lot of people who don't really want to. Uh, I mean, when you read it in textbooks anyway, it's not, it's not really the same. You're learning it on an intellectual level. You're not really learning it on, a, on a, an emotional level, or certainly not a spiritual level. Yes, and that was what it took for me, and that's why I love writing. Ultimately, I would say I'm a teacher who writes. I say I love writing, but I love the process because really I feel like I sit down and it comes through me and I learn in metaphor. I learn in story and to me it makes no, I always say for me knowing is a booby prize because it always shuts me down. But when I can feel it, when I can feel it in my body, then things in my life shift and Having compassion for oneself is, you can know to have compassion, just like you can know, and there's been thousands of books written in the last couple of years on forgiveness, 
and I always write about forgiveness. But knowing forgiveness is, uh, you know, it means nothing. But finding forgiveness in your heart, like I take people through a process, I describe it in the book of, and in my seminars, of going in and having a conversation with the person that has harmed them as a yes. child. Yes. As a child, to see that person as a child and to find out the pain that that person has gone through that would make them do whatever they did to mm. hurt us. Mm. And then to imagine that that, and you need willingness, of course, to do this process, but then to ask that part, to really ask them, you know, if you were trying to give me a gift, what is that spiritual gift that you hold for me? And people are blown away. They're blown away. The people that have hurt me the most have made me who I am today. We grow through our pain. Yes, that's absolutely true. So... So how would you, I mean, how would you describe what it is that you write about in this book or that you do um, during your coaching or your, or your I don't know what, I'm not sure what to call it, your seminars or speaking, your training? Um, it's, it's partially spiritually based. I mean, it's experiential, but what it would is, you? Yes, it is spiritual based. I call it spiritually based emotional education. Because the thing that I find just amazing, and we're still doing it today, is that we don't teach people what it is to be a human being. I mean, just knowing that, you know, if you watch a baby for 24 hours, you will watch a young child be angry, be hurt, cry, right, to go from peace, to go to bliss, to full self-expression, that is what it is to be a human being. Well, what happens to these parts of ourselves? Did they just die? Do they just go away? So I try to get people to connect one with that resource. You know, in the Why Good People Do Bad Things, the, the solution is the peace treaty. And part of, to me... The only way to find peace is to reconnect with the whole self. And I love, again, Carl Jung said, I'd say I can get his simple quotes, mm-hmm. you know, I'd rather be whole than good. Hmm. I mean, what a great statement. I'd rather be a whole being than just a good because, you know, when you read the book, you know we all have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde within us. We all have light and dark. We all have, as Deepak Chopra would say, the saint and the sinner, the divine and the diabolical. And I would take it to our terms. We're all kind and we're all mean. Sometimes our meanness comes out on ourselves. Maybe we're not mean to other people. Maybe we're a people pleaser. That's our mask that we have to, you know, uncover that we even have that mask on. But underneath, we're just mean to ourselves because we don't allow ourselves to use our voice or deliver our gifts. So I'm weaving people through this process that hopefully, you know, supports them in opening up to, wow, you know, this is who I am. Yes, and it is so true that, as we, as we, during childhood, it starts, starts from uh, day one, just about, um, we are told or we learn, we're, we're given the signals that, um, we need to, we can't, we shouldn't be expressing our emotions, whether it's that we shouldn't cry if we, uh, fall and scrape our knee, you know, or, um, it'll be, a, it'll be okay, or don't be a baby, or, um, 
to when someone dies, uh, saying, try, not letting us grieve sufficiently to, um, you know, to, to saying that in school we should be a certain way. And, and it's true that as we grow up, we lose touch with, uh, these emotions and we stop having names for them or stop being really connected to them. And, and then you're right, we get uneducated. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing that I see as well is on the bright side. You know, I, I was, remember on my uh, one of my book tours, I was sitting in the airport, and these kids were, like, laughing and running around one of the poles, and I was, like, awed by it, like, oh, God, it was so refreshing yeah. to me. And then all of a sudden, the parent comes from behind, stop it, don't make that noise, yes, yes. and shuts them down. Yes, exactly. All right, well, we need to be shut down at least for two minutes. (laughs) As we take a break, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Debbie Ford, talking about her latest book, Why Good People Do Bad Things, How to Stop Being Your Own Worst Enemy. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Everything you want, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips. People think that accomplishing your goals has to be difficult. Guess what? It doesn't. All you need are the right tools and a map. And that is what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for success made simple. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times do you want help then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. 
If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. With my guest today, Debbie Ford, the author of Why Good People Do Bad Things, How to Stop Being Your Own Worst Enemy. And we're helping you to take the journey your heart wants to travel. Um, that is actually Debbie's sixth book. And I thought we could sort of take a journey with her uh, through her books and um, understand better her journey uh, as she, as her heart <laughs> was taking her along and understanding, first of all, getting a little glimpse of what each of the books are about, but also how she evolved, why she wrote each of these books um, at the time that she did, your, your own personal journey. So why don't we start with the first book that you wrote, The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. I, lo- oh, I, I love that, that title. What are light chasers? <laughs> light chasers are those that are looking for love and goodness and light and, you know, the meditators. And, you know, I never, it's so funny because all these years later I realized that I was one of the light chasers. You know? <laughs> because I was really stuck for many years, and I'm talking 20-something years ago, on all the books that were telling me to not think about your my emotions, to mm. get over it, to, mm. you know, say an affirmation. So I tell a story in the dark side about having crystals around my room, you know, triangles over my bed, making subliminal tapes that said, I am beautiful, I am kind, I am loving, you know, all the affirmations and doing all these things and then waking up in the morning being pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) There is something wrong with this picture here. (laughs) And really getting, that book is about projection. It's about understanding that anything that we suppress or repress, Hmm. we project out onto other people. And I couldn't understand why my mind was so busy or why I was always judging this one and judging that one until I realized one day that I was just judging myself. Hmm. And that helped me in really cultivating this conversation we were talking about, like in loving myself. And so that book is was pivotal. It was a New York Times number one bestseller. Oprah did three shows on it. Wow. Yeah, and it was it was my really my beginning of my journey, and it was very important to me, and, uh, you know, it's named the Dark Side Light Chasers because when I went to New York to sell it, nobody was much interested, even though there weren't many people in the field at the time. She said to me, what the publisher said, what do you do that's so different than what everybody else does? And I said, well, I work on the dark side of all the light chasers because I was working with Deepak Chopra and his whole staff, which were all big meditators and, you know, other famous New Age authors. I was working with them personally and with their staff on really finding what they had rejected. And how I found out what they rejected in themselves was by looking at their judgments. So Hmm. it's really about the mirror of relationships and the solution to getting a quiet mind. (laughs) Because my mind was just always, I didn't like anybody. (laughs) You know? So that was my first book. And then my second book was uh, Spiritual Divorce. And the subtitle is Divorce as a Catalyst for an Extraordinary Life. And that book was um, my, my process through my own divorce. 
and I was horrified. I was said I waited, you know, till I was 38 years old to get married. I was going to marry the perfect person and have the perfect family. My parents had been divorced, and it was a time when um, I only had maybe knew one other person that was divorced. I mean, we're talking 40 years ago or something. Mm -hmm. Divorce wasn't like it is today. And I was horrified. And so then I realized after my son was about a year old and I had only been married a couple of years that I, too, was going to be divorced. Mm. And I was devastated. And I was already teaching at the time. And so, and I was meditating a lot. I'd done all these beautiful things, you know. I was really in, thought I was in great shape. And when I was meditating, I kept saying, why is this happening to me, of course, when you're going through pain? And I kept getting, I was going to write this book called Spiritual Divorce. Well, I always say I wanted to write a book called How to Kill My Husband and Get Away with It. I I had no interest in writing Spiritual Divorce. (laughs) So I was even angrier. But my sister Ariel came up to me one day and did something. It was a couple of months in, and I was ranting about something that uh, Bo's dad, my son's dad, was doing. And she looked at me and she said, I want you to tell me, think about, you know, five people that have been divorced or broken up from somebody and they're still angry or resentful or bitter. Can you think of five people? So that was easy. And then she, she said, I really want you to think about them. And then she looked me straight in the eyes and she said, Debbie, do you want to end up like that? Huh. Huh. Oh, was that painful, Dr. Carol? Yeah. I thought, like, she might have stuck a knife through me, and I was very angry at her for a couple of days, but it had me make the decision. And I knew at that moment that I was either going to use my divorce as a catalyst to have the best life I could ever ima- imagine and have my pain be my, my revenge, you know, my success, yeah, or I was going to wind up hurt and broken and shut down. Mm-hmm. And I did. I did. I used it. That was a turning point in my life. It had me what, why I became a writer, because I wanted to stay home with my son, Bo, and he was only mm-hmm. two. And I, what could I do? My sister said, you write the book. Write, write a book about what you're doing at the Chopra Center. And that was the dark side. And then I was lucky enough to have all these amazing teachers who love my work. Neil Donald Walsh came to me, and he said, your sister says you have another book called Spiritual Divorce in you. I want it on my desk in 30 oh, days. Wow. In thir- I said, 30 days? I'm not writing that book at all. And if you know Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote Conversations yeah. with God, it's like having God talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Debbie Ford, we need that book. This is not about you. This is about mm. your contribution, your gift. To the universe, you, that's yeah, right. You write this book, I'll write the forward. So I wrote the book. I had it in not in 30 days, but maybe 90 or 120 days. And it was my first um, experience of really downloading from the universe because mm-hmm. I'd written 100 pages and I sent, gave it to a friend of mine to look at who's an editor. And he circled two paragraphs. And he gave it back to me, and he said, you can throw the rest out. Huh. And I just cried for a couple of days. Like, you know, I've written 100 pages. I hate writing. You know, how could this happen to me? I was all, you know, in my victim. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I woke up with these seven spiritual laws. Wow. They're the only thing, Dr. Carol, I've ever written that have never been edited. They've hmm. never been touched. Every word was perfect. And... People from around the world, I just had a woman write to me, and she said the most beautiful line. She said, you know, 22 years ago, I walked in the courthouse with a Bible in my hand to get married. 
And today I walked into the courthouse with a spiritual divorce book in my mm-hmm. hand, and I'm ready to have the best, you know, year of my life. And that book is what people says heals their heart. It, you know, it doesn't even have to be for people who are, you know, getting divorced or are divorced, but anybody who's got a broken heart. Mm-hmm. And it was... Uh, yes, yeah. and this, this is something that's uh, <laughs> needed more and more as more people are getting divorced. Well, let's, um, what about the next book, The Secret of the Shadow? And then the secret of the shadow was really the, um, when I was in my fourth treatment center, something else happened that changed my life, and it was that I was looking at this girl that was my roommate who I really, really liked. I thought she was, you know, I had all that awe for her, as you do, and you're turned on by somebody. But every time we went into group therapy, I'd have to listen to her complain about her her father, her this or that, and I'd think, oh, my God, doesn't this girl know who she is? So at about day 15, when I was ranting in my head, like, why doesn't she shut up and doesn't she know who she is, this little voice who teaches me everything in my had said, you know, you're just like that. She's just in her story. That's just the story of who she is. You're seeing who she is. She can only see her story. Hmm. And then, of course, this was 25 years ago. I was reading um, so many, you know, ancient books and holy books where really talks about that. So that book is about, you know, that inside our story, inside the drama called us, which I believe is every human has a story. It's part of how we evolve our souls. It's part of how we evolve our consciousness is through our human drama. But the problem isn't that we have a story. It's that we think we are our story. Mm. So it's called The Secret of the Shadow because it's really finding the secret gift in our story. Wow. And then book four, tell me when to stop. The right question. Yes, it's hard to remember with all the right right questions. questions. And that book happened after my Oprah shows, and um, I got it again, and I just woke up with it. My father was a judge. Now, when I was young and I was into drugs and trouble, it wasn't so good, but one of the things my father taught me was the either-or, the positive or the negative consequences of my choices, of my Hmm. actions. And what I realized after having a coach training program for many years by then, having trained thousands of people, is that people don't realize that who they are today is a result of the choices that they're going to make Mm -hmm. and the choices that they made yesterday. And you don't get 50 pounds overweight because you ate cake today. (laughs) You know, it's a series of those choices. You don't be $100,000 in debt or not have any future, you know, money saved. So all these things that people are so, uh, that we're on autopilot, that we don't pay attention to the day-to-day, moment-by-moment choices. So... It's got 10 of what I call the right questions, questions like, will this choice propel me toward an inspiring future, Hmm. or will it keep me stuck in a pattern of the past? Is this an act of self-love, or is this an act of self-sabotage? Is this choice coming from faith, or is this choice coming from fear? So is this going to empower me or disempower me? And when people find out the answer, they start making better choices. Wow. These are all very, very special books. We could do an, <laughs> at least an hour on each of them. Anytime. Well, we need to take a break now. Um, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. My guest is Debbie Ford. We've been talking about uh, each of her six books. Her current one is Why Good People Do Bad Things, How to Stop Being Your Own Worst Enemy. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and we'll be right back. 
Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Debbie Ford, and she is helping you to take the journey your heart wants to travel. Um, we've been talking about her whole um, plethora of books going down the evolution of, of her journey and of um, each of these books sort of taking a piece of where she was at and helping us um, by shedding light on on our psyche and how we why we do what we do and how we can do things better and and um, the, the fifth book that we were up to is the best year of your life what is that well, the best year of uh, your life came out of a cruise I was doing, actually, with 100 people, and I wanted everybody to, I challenged everybody to have the best week of their life, uh-huh. and Dr. Carroll, it was a hysterical moment for me, because half the people were certain, I mean, it wasn't even an option for them to have the best week of their life. I mean, everybody had um, a reason, you know, and maybe there was 15% of the 115 people that actually we're going to take the challenge. Wait, 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 you lost me. What, what do you mean that it wasn't even an option? Why was that? They just decided. They either said, um, I can't, you know, my children aren't there. When I go home, you know, I feel guilty. My husband's not with me. Everybody had a reason why it couldn't be the best wow. of their life. Or, you know, they just had a great year. Or they had their kids, you know, 
their they had their grandchild last month. That was the best week. People had either already had it or they had decided that they were going to maybe have it in the future or not wow. at all. Wow. I know. It was a wow. <laughs> and And even being on the book tour was a bigger wow, but... That people are so, um, especially I think here in the United States, everybody's so survival based, and that the best year of their life or the best week of their life was about most for most people a goal or yeah. a result. You know, if I was thirty pounds thinner, I could have it. And really, for me, the, what the best year of your life is about is about that our soul uses the outer world in order to find itself, and that when we have a goal in the outer world, it's because we believe that when we hit that goal, we're going to feel a particular way. If we are lose that weight and we get to our ideal weight, we're going to feel better about ourselves. Or if we publish a book or get a new job or our son stops acting out or whatever it is, we're going to feel a particular way. And to me, that's just how the soul shows us what we're dying to feel right now. Mm. And so the book is, how do I today, okay, I've identified my feeling, you know, I think I'm going to feel, and I wrote this about my Oprah experience because as a writer, every writer wants to be on Oprah. That is what's going to make you. And when I got done with my three shows and getting number one on the New York Times, I was depressed afterwards. And, of course, I was really embarrassed. I didn't want to tell anybody. But it took me a while to work through really what it was. And the thing is, is I thought that when I got on Oprah, I was going to be able to relax. Mm-hmm. And I was driving myself so hard to get my work in the world and that that was going to be my work would be in the world. Because I was just writing the stuff that saved my life and changed my life. And I wanted it to give it to other people. But the exact opposite was true. More people wanted me. (laughs) I got busier. And then I realized that, you know, that moment of relaxation, I had to be responsible for giving it to myself Mm. each and every day. I had to go back to meditating. I had to take a day off just to do nothing every three weeks. I had to. I couldn't wait. So it's such an amazing trick for people, and I outline that in the best year. You know, how do we really get that? How do we claim moments with our children? I have a child, you know, a whole month can go by that he'll never think about. Or I can go, we were at the tennis matches this weekend, I'm like, okay, how can we claim this as an unforgettable day so you'll never forget it uh-huh. for the rest of your life? You know, that's what a best year is about. It's, it's about who are you at the end of the year so you're inspired by you, not what did you get done. Hmm. That's such a, <laughs> that's absolutely true, absolutely right on. Um, the 15 people who did try to agree to try to make this the best week of their life, what did they, what did they do that, that made them feel that way? I mean, did they wind up feeling that way at the end? And Yes, and I have to say, because we took it on as a group project, I think about 80% of the people could have claimed it because we started claiming moments. Every day we would look for five moments, and that's what we have to do, whether we're just at work, whether we're with our children, what moment could you make? And maybe it's finding something funny. You know, it has you reach outside your comfort zone when you're looking for moments to claim. When you're with your children to say something that's so deep and profound to them, look them straight in the eyes, 
ask them a question, remember it, you know, do a toast when they have an accomplishment, you know. I, yeah, I had somebody who, uh, but when Bo got his black belt, you know, I was just making dinner, and a friend came over and said, let's get champagne glasses, let's put orange juice in them, let's do, and we did this, you know, made this whole ceremony. Mm-hmm. So it, the book really tries to get us to find one day a month and do extraordinary things with people, whatever. It can be free, but to do things, you know, write your partner a note, stick it in their coat pocket, you know, anything, because it gets us to see that when we do things for ourselves and others, that that is what makes a great year. And define the qualities that you want to develop in yourself and have it all over, you know, find somebody that you're inspired by and distinguish two qualities that are exciting, thrilling. And then each day, you know, do something to develop that quality in yourself because there isn't anything we see in the outer world that we don't have in our inner world. There's no brilliance, there's no beauty, there's no success that we're awing over that we can't have but we have to take our projections off the outer world and start developing these parts of ourselves in our own inner world. And that's when our world starts to shift. Well, yes. Um, you know, we, we, certainly, uh, we certainly can see how this is all sort of fitting together. I think, I think you should um, do a, a series, though. Put this, <laughs> put, make these a... Uh, you know these six books in like a um, oh in a little case with a, a little library of these of themselves so that people can kind of take that journey with you, you know, <laughs> because I love um, that. yes, because um, to to this final well hopefully it won't be your last book but I mean to this to this for right now the um, sort of something that uh, that takes it even further your sixth book that we've been talking about, Why Good People Do Bad Things, um, but it would be nice to have it sort of in a little library. Just a thought. Um, why don't you tell us about how uh, what you're doing now in terms of the Ford Integrative Coaching Institute, is it? The Ford Institute for Integrative Coaching. What okay, close. Do, you're very close, Carol. <laughs> um, we're about to do our last uh, training process for a while, which is our blueprint coaching model, which is really teaching people. It's a combination, actually, of all my books, and it's a structured coaching program that uh, I've been teaching training coaches for years. And if people go on uh, debbieford.com and they look under Get Trained, they will uh, can read all about the coaching program, and I also... So I am doing a spiritual divorce for people who are already in the field. Um, We have a coaching model for spiritual divorce. We just uh, produced a movie called The Moses Code that's coming out um, this week, actually, uh, with uh, the director of The Secret, and it's really that next deeper look at what we need to do uh, to have an extraordinary life and to live our destiny. And then I'm working on a movie right now that will be out in about six months. If people go to DebbieFord.com and sign up, I do a shadow blog. They'll, I'll let them know about it. <laughs> yes, and as you, as you were saying uh, during the break, that that's going to be the hottest thing, I guess, in about six months or next year. So um, I suggest that everybody goes to your website um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, we've been really uh, giving a great overview and as well as going in depth, but there's so much more even. Do go to her website, 
DebbieFord.com, which is D-E-B-B-I-E-F-O-R-D.com. And uh, again, her, her latest book is Why Good People Do Bad Things, How to Stop Being Your Own Worst Enemy. But really, um, all of these other books sound wonderful as well. So uh, they are where all books are sold. So um, do check her website out, though, because there are even some additional things that we weren't able to uh, get to talk about on the show. But, Debbie, let me thank you very much for not only sharing your wisdom, but um, sharing your personal story and your personal feelings and and, uh, uh, really allowing us to understand your work on a much more personal level. So thank you for being on Dr. Carol's Couch. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Carol. And thank you all for listening. I'm sure that you are changed as a result of listening to this show today uh, than you were before you tuned in. So thanks for, thank you all for listening, and you've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.